Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. All right, boys and girls, you know where you are. You should know who this is. This is Tyler Chef, and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. I forgot to say co-host, Mike. Shame on me. The other guy. It's the fine. other guy. <laughs> That's fine. Mike in the big Mike in the in the friendly sky. Are the skies friendly this week, Mike? Oh, uh, it was they're friendly, but it was pretty rough yesterday over the, if anybody's flown across from East coast to West coast, when you go over the Rockies, you know, it, it's, it was, it's been pretty rough the past two days, just turbulence wise, but has it, yeah, you warn them, right? What's that? You warn them, right? Oh yeah. I can't decide if I'd rather be warned or just be uncomfortably surprised. Sometimes it's, I don't know if they're lying, but they'll tell you there's going to be turbulence and then there isn't. So I'm all beefed up with anxiety waiting for the turbulence to happen and nothing really happens. You know what our anxiety up front is? None. Cause you're not, you don't care about us back there. <laughs> no, no. Cause like, all right, we get on say, oh, turbulence looks like we should be fairly smooth for the next hour. Right. Seatbelt sign off. Boom. 10 minutes later. Boom. We just look at each other up front like, God, every time <laughs> just leave the sign on. Oh, the, my. the simple things that happen up front, people don't realize. Is that why you pilots <laughs> always wear dark colored pants? Because all the coffee stains. <laughs> <laughs> Can't see the coffee stains. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, so guys, we have a different episode for you this week. Not something we normally talk about, but it's something that we need to talk about. Because lately, Mike, you and I both have spent a lot of time in different governmental meetings in different communities. I've sat through now countless governmental meetings in the city of Key West, city of Tarpon Springs. You're out there in, in Colorado. You've done two municipalities there in Colorado. And I don't know about you, but I've learned a lot. What do you say? Yeah, I've learned a tremendous amount. I didn't tell you this before. So my uncle was in city council on a small island, shelter island in New York off Long Island. So right. he had some stories too behind the scenes of city council. And from what we've seen, it's about right. It's about right. And good things. What I've learned by city council is it's not what people perceive as the judge is up there. It's not True. It's not like it's a court and everybody's out to get you and it's extremely formal and you got to follow the rules of etiquette. What we've been learning is it's people on city council are volunteers. Like my they uncle, are. he was a city councilman and it's a volunteer and people do it because they want to see they have this vision this ideology of the community they want to keep it some way or move it some way and they want to be part of that and i respect that a lot i do too i believe what i've noticed lately over and over again is the mannerisms of how people respond with the city employees and the volunteers has changed over the last couple of years hmm. i've been a guy boys and girls at home I've been going to, I remember 20 plus years ago, I used to sit at eviction court down in Clearwater, Florida, because for me, that was a great way to get leads. If I wanted to buy a property or I had my realtor hat on and I was looking for leads. Yeah. It sounds a little ambulance chaser ish, but Hey, got me out of the rat race. So I don't care. I would sit there and wait, listen to those. So I would hear people of all kinds of problems and then or talk to them in the hallway after they, whether they were, they won or lost bottom line is. I believe that our decorum as a human race has changed over the last decade, especially post COVID. I feel that the majority of folks walking in there are extremely impatient, very entitled, and 
I'll say combative in a lot of cases. I know you've see, you see this at the airlines, Mike, whether not necessarily in your fuselage, but in the terminal, Chicago, they had a major melee fight in Chicago today. People just bludgeoning each other, luggage pickup. And then another on the same day, it happened in one of the airport terminals right there in Chicago. And of course, Chicago, everybody's lasted off. It's a dump and it's a big crime ridden mess. But this is happening across the country. And what I see is the city workers, it's kind of like police officers. There's, you can only take so much of a beating before you either decide to quit or you just stop doing a good job. I see that. I'm seeing that a lot of that poor behavior right now when we're going through the zoning with Tarpon Springs. Now, the city wants to help. Our experience has been quite good, I think, with the city. I found, I don't know about you, but I found every employee there very helpful, wanting to work with us, wanting to figure out solutions. In every government, there's turnover. Sometimes you get some bad eggs in there. And the city of Tarpon Springs has done a great job of getting those people out and good people back in. However, I think a lot of us, Mike, are they, a lot of folks that go in there are scorned and they're abusive towards these employees. I've witnessed it time and time again over the last several months. And th- these people perpetuate their own future. They're setting themselves up for failure. And then they can't figure out why they can't get anything done at City Hall. Thoughts on that? I do. From what we've seen, a lot of people go in there with their idea of they're going to build real estate and rent it out, and it's going to benefit them, 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 them. Hey, that's great. That's what we're all here for. But when you go in front of the city council, you have to remember that the reason why you want to be in a particular place like Tarpon Springs is the charm. That's right. And every member in the city council, they're not Republicans and Democrats. They might be, but it's not like one versus the other. It's really everybody's individual. Everybody has their own vision of what they love about Tarpon Springs, what they want to keep, or I want to improve this road or something. I have this vision. Everyone has a different vision there, which I think is really special compared to the higher levels of government, the whole community involvement. Everybody's a volunteer. So when you go up there, just realize you, we want to be in Tarpon Springs because we love the area. We know people love the area. They need a place to stay. Maybe they need assisted living, whatnot. So you just have to remember, it's not, it's, you're, not, you're not fighting anybody. Instead, you're trying to integrate yourself into the community. And I think that's where people find that difficulty. Because like you mentioned, the Chicago Airlines, airports and everything, unfortunately, everybody is combatant because they feel like their voice is not heard. I think that's a big right. problem. And on, like you said, COVID, I think, is a big proponent of that because everyone's locked in their house for two years. They're coming out and they say, I matter. I'm important. That's true. But you have to remember that everybody's thinking that same way. And the city council is not there to fight you. They're there to make sure that your model fits into the city culture, which is in the end, which is why we want to invest in there is because culture of the city. And they want to make sure that they're, that what we're trying to accomplish is in line with the city's mission and goals. That's right. Because the city guys at home, sometimes we look at government like they're the big behemoth opposition and that may be true on the federal side, but that's not true. I don't believe on the local side. I've no. I love working with local government. I really enjoy the process. And you guys are thinking, this dude is drunk. I'm not. I've worked well through all kinds of situations now with the city of Key West. And I've worked through several situations over the years with the city of Tarpon Springs. And overall, I've been successful. I really haven't been told no that often. And even when I was told no, I, it was really up to me to prove why my whatever I wanted was viable. I remember I... 
asked for, and sometimes we make up our own mind before we even ask the question, oh, they're just not going to allow that. And I don't want to pull a permit because they're going to tell me no. That's not really the case. I built a corral for our garbage cans over at one of our properties here in town because when the curb and the building is are set way back off the street and the trash cans would be all over the damn neighborhood. So it would be easier if I could just put the trash cans at the curb. That way, when the tenants take their trash from their apartment out to the curb and then the trash man comes. So I went down to city hall and asked for permission. I thought I needed to, I'm building something in there. And they told me, no, I can't do that. But what I found interesting, and this is going back, I don't know, 10 years ago, that they couldn't tell me why I couldn't do it. They were just pretty sure I couldn't do it. Now you might think that's a city employee being unhelpful or being a pain in the butt, my butt, or giving me a hard time. They weren't giving me a hard time. They just told me that they weren't quite convinced I could do that. So I asked the flip side of the question. If you're not convinced that I can't do it or that I can do it, what happens if I do? What's the consequence? I'm not saying that I'm going to knowingly break the rules, but if we're not sure that we even have a rule to be broken, what happens? What's the next step? They go code enforcement then would have to come out there and look up the regulation and find whatever that you've done that was wrong and then cite you for it. I said, oh, okay. Now I'm over in planning and zoning at the time asking this question. So I went over to code enforcement and I said, I'd like to report a code violation. And they're like, on who? Me. What? And the, they looked at me, yeah, that's exactly the response I got from the code enforcement. Really? She said, what are you talking about? I'm like, I have this property at blank street. It has a trash can corral at the curb built without a permit. She looked at me and she goes, you don't need a permit for that. Wow. I don't. Oh. She goes, no, you don't. I said, thank you. I stopped at Home Depot on my way home. <laughs> wow. And I'm not guys telling you this to make, to try to gloat on how I quote unquote got away with something, but I didn't get away with something. I just ran the gamut of due diligence to see what happens if I do it, where you, you we tend to say no, because the confused mind always says no. And she didn't quite a building department at the time. This is going back a long time ago. I'm sure the lady's not even there anymore. Didn't you probably didn't understand what a trash can corral even was. Does that make her stupid? No, it makes me not efficient at portraying what I wanted. Had I had a, a rendering, maybe an artist rendering and stay with AI and things like that, guys, you can do that stuff. Take a picture of your house, superimpose your trash can corral on it. And off you go. Here's what I want to do. Any issues? Had I done that and had I been more thorough with my pitch, if you will, what I want to do, I could have had a completely different response and saved myself a step by doing that. So in later years, I actually did that more than once, believe it or not, because it worked. I would say, if you do that, if that's the case, then we're going to send it, come out there and we're code such and such section four, here's your violation. It's a $50 day fine. Oh, okay. So how do I accomplish the same goal without violating this section? Now the city opens up and says, okay, let's look at that. So guys, this episode was born from what Mike and I are going through right now with our syndicate, Cashflow Capital. And what we do is we raise money from accredited individuals and we buy existing single family homes and we convert them to residential assisted living homes. We function as the landlord. We're not the caregiver, we're the landlord. And if you want more information on that, you can always go to cashflowguys.com. You'll have an option. You can either learn or earn, hit earn, and it'll take you down the rabbit hole. We'll teach you everything about what we do there. If you want to get on the phone with us, whatever. 
get on the phone with us, book a call, and we can talk more about that. Getting back to it, we are every situation with us is different with these houses because they're all zoned differently. Every house that we buy has a different zoning. It's in a different neighborhood. It falls under different sets of rules and in some cases, different purview. So what we're finding right now is that the city was not really initially clear on what we're trying to accomplish. So one of the ways that we overcome that was we overcame that was we had a video made. We had our architect make a video, a rendering of what it what we want to do. And it's cool. It's got like 1940s type big band swing music going. And it's got this beautiful home that we actually already own uh, over in Tarpet Springs. And it's gorgeous. And it really sends a message of what we're trying to accomplish. So the people that initially wanted to judge us thinking that we're going to build some concrete monstrosity, which we are absolutely not. We bought a 1914 historic home and we're restoring it to essentially its original beauty in a historic area of Tarpon Springs. Now people are on board and really it comes down to based on our and our being the city's interpretation of what you can and cannot do as relation to how it relates to zoning. They have one set of beliefs, Mike and I and our legal team and our contractor and our architect and our AL assisted living facilitator, or I'm sorry, a mentor have a different set of beliefs. So now it doesn't need to be a fight. It's not going to be a big fight. We're going to continue to have a conversation with them until they can better understand how they can make our vision become a reality. And they're on board with that. Today, we went to the, basically the, in front of all of the city boards. I did, I did, I had to wear pants, Mike. Can you believe it? I did that for you, buddy. I wore long pants. I didn't even have flip-flops on. I had dress shoes on. I've never seen him. I've never seen him with long pants and not flip-flops. You didn't, you don't even, yeah. I don't think you have. Maybe you had a cash flow game in the winter. <laughs> jeans. Yeah. Yeah. It was probably jeans. Yeah. Jeans. Probably not dress pants, but yeah. <laughs> I do have a whole big wardrobe of very pretty clothes. I like to dress up, but not usually, not every day. But anyway, I got all dressed up pretty and I had to go in front of the fire marshal, the police department, the city commission, the mayor's office, the tree commission, the planning, zoning. I can go on and grants and basically field questions about our project from all these different department heads throughout the entire city all at one time in one room this morning. And it went well. I'm pleased with the outcome now. There are some questions that we need to answer for them. And they have a certain set of beliefs based on their interpretation. And guys, here's the keyword, their interpretation of the code. We feel that we have a different interpretation of the code and it's very clear. And that's because we have not given them enough information to see it like we see it. Notice my mindset. I'm not blaming them for not just jumping on board right away. I'm not blaming them for pushback. I'm instead taking responsibility for giving them all of the facts, all of the detail and building their case for them so that they can see our way, our vision. Thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, I noticed that too. I initially thought every member of the city council had the same view as black and white. This is the code. This is good. That's good. But like you said, everybody has a different vision, different interpretation, because in the end, they are familiar with the town, unlike the federal government who's not familiar with their own constituents. And it's very much more an emotional process rather than black or white, is this good or bad? And you brought up a good point too. The ones I've been to, 
everybody has a difficult i difficult concept of visualizing because in the end any town any city it's all about the visual and the more you can help with that like we got the architectural 3d modeling of it it breaks down a lot of barriers it does brings them on your team it's been my experience that if we go in with the mindset that we're going to do battle then we're absolutely going to find a battle on the other end i don't know about you mike but i've seen a lot of that go on in both Key West and Tarpon Springs, where the people, the citizens that want progress, they want, they have a pro, they have a project they want to work on. They show up with boxing gloves on. They lawyer up. Admittedly, we have an attorney representing us as well, but the difference is that I'm working side by side with the attorney. Instead of letting him do everything, he's we're teamed up. We're a team. We're side by side. Getting this. The minute we were, I was out of that meeting. I was on the phone with the attorney filling him in on where we were because in this case, they, they said that he didn't need to show unless we wanted him to, that I could, because the questions were more about our vision, which I'm better served than the attorney to relay our, our vision. So I had a conversation with the attorney and he said, yeah, if he, since you have the vision, he has the vision too, because you'd probably be better pitching that and answering those questions. I did bring our contractor, our general contractor with us. Because in the event that there were technical questions that are out of my skill set to be able to answer, I've got Bill Larson Construction at our right there with us, making sure that they get all their answers, all the answers to the questions they have. Now, what you'll find is that in a lot of cases, if you don't go in, if you go to them looking for information that you might be disappointed especially post-COVID, because a lot of government agencies have turned over staff at an alarming amount. I've been told recently that the city of Key West has multiple vacancies across the city. They're short, I believe, 20 police officers alone. Wow. When they passed that thing where if you didn't get the shot or you lose your job, that wiped out a lot of workforce in the government. So a lot of these offices are short-staffed. And Besides being short-staffed, there's been a lot of turnover, which means the people that are there are new and probably don't have the experience that people that have been there for 30 years have. Is that feasible, Mike? Yeah, we saw that at the last Board of Adjusters meeting we were at. Everybody's different ages, different levels of experience, for sure. That's correct. What I was... So, Tyler's being modest. He didn't mention that he was in front of the Board of Adjusters and he spoke to the entire board at the big, big auditorium, big room. Oh, I forgot about that. That was last week. Last week, yeah. And what what I liked about how you presented yourself was you were very respectful. Yes. Yet you came across as you knew what you were doing. You weren't domineering at all. You came out as like the subject matter expert to introduce certain ideas to the, the council, but yet you weren't telling them that you know it all and they're idiots. You're very respectful doing that. And then Correct. some others who went up in front, obviously emotions came out because they had a particular plan of their real estate model and the city didn't understand it very clearly. And like you said, if they don't understand something, they're going to say no. They're not going to pull out the big rule book and city code and say, oh, black, white, yes or no, yes, or no. It's very much, a, it's a negotiation really, which is what, which is very different than what you would normally think of with state or federal government where it's literally black and white. Right. You're actually negotiating with the town. And uh, yeah, Tyler, you were really respectful, soft-spoken, but you came off very clear. And uh, part of that is, I think, because you, you've got a 
quite a big history with Toastmasters too. And I know we haven't talked about Toastmasters a long time, but it certainly helped me, I think. And it came across when you were up there. We probably should talk about that because that brings you to the next part. Getting up there and being, yeah, what's the word I'm looking for? Being terrified of getting up there. And guys, I've been speaking on stage for many years. Don't, and I have a lot of experience in public speaking. I've got a lot of training through face, Facebook, <laughs> through Toastmasters and whatnot. And even to this day, I am nervous walking up in front of the city commission. It's, it sets me back a little bit. It takes a minute for me to get my act going on. And I'll go so far as to say that night, Mike, I would have told you that my voice cracked and that I was shaking the whole time and that I looked scared. So I said that to Jill. I'm like, how did I sound up there? She goes, sounded like great. No problem. You gave me the same feedback. I went back and watched the video because they record everything. And I watched my segment. I was like, oh, actually, I didn't sound like that at all. So the vision of what I thought I sounded like and what I actually sounded like were two different things. I was being pretty hard on myself. I did a great job. And my reason for that is I wanted to send, say, send a message to the board. See, these volunteers, they're making decisions. And I'm not saying volunteer in a negative way. It's just fact. They're making decisions that have consequences. The consequences of their actions can have a wild impact on the future of the city. For example, they were trying to limit what a gentleman could build on his two lots, these two houses. They were trying to make them teeny tiny small. And, now, and that's because the lots, in essence, are teeny tiny small. Get where they're going. But what they also didn't consider is people like me right across the street. My house is not teeny tiny small. And for me, I'm in this real estate space, square footage matters because appraisers use in part the square footage method to determine price per square foot to determine sale price. So if I'm on the same block, have two houses that are relatively close in square footage, plus or minus 20 or 30%, his sales of his new houses may someday be a comp for my neighbors and I. Now, that's not the case where an ALF will be based on income. Our building will be worth well over a million dollars when we're done with it because of the fact of what we're doing with it and its income turnout. But the guy next door hadn't even thought of that. He was originally against it until he realized after what I had said, it's like, hey, the board goes against this guy. He's not going to develop these lots. He's going to turn it around and sell them to somebody else. Somebody else may turn around and do something inferior that will take away from your property value. So sometimes the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. And here's a case of a very experienced developer that owns these lots, very influential guy in the community, does a beautiful job when he does develop. Everything he does is done. It's beautiful. It's really nice. It just happened to be that he bought these two lots. These are smaller than what he's used to. And he's trying to meet the square footage needs of his end buyer. And by doing so, he's on a small lot, which he needs to get some setback variances. And by setback guys, that means he's basically asking that the house be built closer to the curb up front than what's normal or traditional on a lot that size. And he was turned down. But the reason why I spoke to the board is I wanted the board to be, to remember that the decisions they make have a wide impact on the community in both a positive and a negative light. And if the cities get on board with helping us grow the ec economics of the community, 
that's going to better the city of Tarpon Springs or the city of Key West or the city of Salida, Colorado, or wherever you are. So for those of you sitting at home, if you sit on one of these boards, have you ever thought about getting involved in one of these boards? That's something you need to consider is that even though your position that may not even be paid or if paid, not much, you have a huge impact on the community. Thoughts on that, Mike? When Tyler went up there and mentioned the property value, nobody thought of property value. And they, I remember they looked at each other wondering, should we be discussing property value? Is that in our purview? Oh, yeah. Which again goes to the thing where these are humans up there. They're not judges. They're not people who understand all the rules of order of exactly what they're within limits to discuss. They're not attorneys. They're, they're literally just citizens of, of the town. So Tyler was very respectful, knowing that them, hey, these are citizens of the town. This might be my neighbor one day. And so whatever I build, I want them to be happy. I want them to tell all their neighbors of how wonderful our investment, our assisted living home is in, in the facility, in the town. So yeah, it's, this is not court. They're not attorneys. No. They're human beings. No. At the flip side of that, guys, going to these things, we've said it before, we're going to say it again, going to these meetings can lead you to a wealth of information that'll help you find opportunity because you're hearing the good and the bad of your community, whether you're in code enforcement or the building department, or you're in the board of adjustment or whatever you may be, go out to your local community and sit and listen to these boards. They'll let you in. They're open. They're public record. They'll let you in. Sit there, listen, take it all in. What you're going to hear is people coming in, trying to accomplish different things. Sometimes they'll get what they want. Other times they won't. But the way to navigate this stuff and to get through it is to go sit there and educate yourself. Mike, how much have you learned by sitting through all those city council meetings you've been at? Oh my gosh, you can't even describe it. You, and every town is very different. They all have a very different pulse to it. Like Salida, Colorado, it's all about the community, all about the community, all about parks and recreation. That's a huge discussion. In fact, I think their parks and recreation department is the largest, if not the strongest department in the city. And because of that, that's why it draws so many people. That's why I'm living there. That's why it's a beautiful place to live in. But other places like Key West, Sharpen Springs, or any other, they have their own kind of niche, their own specialty, their own department that they look up to the most. Do you feel now that what you, since you've attended city council and code enforcement, all these different boards in both two towns in Colorado, that are starkly different. That's a fair assessment, right? They're very different. Very different. Yeah. Do you feel based on watching the personalities of the board members in the different boards and watching the response of the citizens that you now could go to a third community and be successful in accomplishing what you're there to accomplish? In other words, if you wanted to get something built or get a permit for something or get something zoned that you now have learned enough over the last year or two years, whatever it is that you've been attending these things, You've been to enough meetings to successfully be able to navigate these things to the best of your ability. Is that a fair assessment? I've learned enough that I know I need to learn more. For example, like Fort Collins versus Salida are very different. Yeah. The vision that they have, matter of fact, the, kind of like the way that they vote, yes and no, is very different. So I've learned enough to that I know I need to educate myself. Would I be able to walk in like any town USA and say, I know how to do this. I'll get this approved, blah, blah, blah. No, okay. no, not at all. I feel I could with one caveat that I would need to watch a few meetings preliminarily before I did. That's right. To get a feel for the people on the board. 
That's right. Because, and I asked that question for a reason. The psychology of this whole thing is something that you guys have to keep in mind. No two boards are alike. No two city governments are alike. No two elected officials or, or appointed officials are alike. You can't just necessarily apply what you do in one municipality in another. It's not that simple. So in essence, Mike, you didn't know that question was coming. I threw that out there on purpose. I had a feeling how you'd answer it because you're going to be honest with us. No, you couldn't accomplish that. But what you would do, I know because I watched you do this, is you immediately would get on the city's website, look for the records division or their meeting minutes. You would look for the recordings. And a lot of them now these days, especially since COVID, are recorded. And you would be in the airplane on your deadhead between flights in the back, listening or watching these things and have them downloaded to your phone or your iPad. You would, have, I know you well enough to know that you would take the time to study the other side or whoever you're going to be engaging with so that you could be effective and that you can lean into their way of doing things. Because guys, you're not going to walk into your municipality and start running the show. If they think you're, as an investor, you are the devil. Know that. Yeah. You are absolutely the devil. So number one, stop calling yourself investors. And investors are the devil. Wholesalers are the devil. Realtors are the devil. Just go be yourself. I'm Tim Jones, and I would like to build, a, a, I don't know, an amusement park here or a car wash or whatever it may be. And I need some help determining the steps. And that's how you're going to get this stuff done. Parting thoughts, Mike? I'll add this one other thing, too, that we actually discussed before. We hit the record button. I'm sure most listeners understand LLCs are huge. They're very important when you're setting up your business for liability protection and you go out and buy your first investment property, right? You don't always think that the name is important. People oh. are sitting down on their computer. What's the LLC name? Hey, wife, how about, I don't know, big money investing or big city investing. You got to be careful because that name follows you everywhere. And even though it sounds real cool to you, Mike's big investment LLC or whatever, right. you have to think of how other people are going to perceive you. Because like you said, you walk into a, a new town or city council, you are the devil. So if all of a sudden the devil walks in and says, Mike's big badass investing, people see that and they're going to have an instant idea of what you do, even if, even if you're there to build freaking playgrounds. Because your name is on there and you try to look big on your name, they're going to shut you down just because of that. Yes, 100%. Guys, they will judge. My best advice when it comes to naming LLCs, and I'm, I don't want to get too far off topic on that. That's great advice. I want to try to stay out of the rabbit hole on this one because I want to add into it. Don't think, spend less time on your, the name of your LLC when you're doing stuff like this. It just... Go with letters. You can't go wrong. Yeah. If I could go back and do it all over again, cash flow capital probably would have been the CC group or something like that. Because when I say cash flow, sometimes I, that's a positive to some folks. That just means you're a dirty rich person. That's a lesson that we're learning. So moving forward, as we take properties into the fund, we're taking them under the doing business as, which is letters breaking down letters so that's a good point i'm glad you mentioned that mike so guys at this point mike i'd like you to go ahead and recap and just summarize where we're at key points and takeaways and we'll, let's wrap it up here with some parting thoughts yeah 
We always talk about go to city council meetings. From what we've been learning lately, it's more important than I think we've even been pushing. Yes. It's not, it's because you want to learn the personality of the people that, of the community, really, that you're going to be accepted into. Not just the, hey, if I can get away with this, can I get away with this? Which I, unfortunately, I think a lot of people try to do. How can I get away with it? Or even worse, they don't say anything and they get it done and they, the neighbors complain, they get fined and now they're, oh, I'm the victim. Remember, you are to be accepted in the community, right. no matter how big or small of an investor you are. Even if you have a single family house and you want to, I don't know, tear it down and build a multifamily, you have to be accepted in the community. In order to do that, you have to understand their personalities. You have to get your name around. Tyler and Joel, you guys are walking up and down the street all the time. Yes. Tarpon Springs knows you guys. Has to. My wife grew up here and I have that distinct advantage. I've spent a lot of time in here since 2008 myself. So we're actually now 2006. So yeah, it, it does make a difference that people know us. It absolutely make a difference. It makes a difference when you pick your contractor. This is why I cringe every time wholesalers, and I'll leave you guys with this. Every time I talk to these wholesalers, I had one the other day. The guy's Facebook name is Rico Savvy. And he's trying to pitch some six unit building down in St. Petersburg, Florida. I was considering when I said, is that Rico savvy? What's your real name? And he gave me a different name. I automatically don't trust you. And when I asked him why he was using under using a different name and alias, he exploded on me and got all nasty and gangster on me and whatnot. It's wait, you're trying to build trust and get me to buy what you're selling, but you're already out here operating under in the shadows under a false name. Don't do that stuff, guys. You can make lots and you make more money doing this real estate game upfront and honest, go out and talk to people, have good conversations, go talk to your local government. They're here to help. Even though you may not believe that I'm here to tell you, if you spend some time going out and meeting these people, you're going to be pleasantly surprised. But the only way that's going to happen is for you to take action. That's why it's important for you to get off the couch, get to work, get out there. You don't even have to leave the house. You can do it just at home watching on a Zoom session. If you're a little nervous about being on public around people, great. Sit home on your couch, watch it on your desktop, watch it on your television, whatever. Catch these things on Zoom. You don't even have to do it live. They're all recorded. Get comfortable, then go out and talk to people. Listen to what's going on. Listen to the conversations that are happening in the crowd. That's where you're going to find the gold. As time goes on, you're going to see a lot of investment people. A lot of people that got did investments over the last couple of years are going to be in hot water. It's already happening. Ken McElroy did a video last week talking about the failure of syndications. All kinds of folks out there buying, not necessarily for maybe the right reasons. They didn't think things through. And guess what? The chickens are coming home to roost. The commercial real estate industry is in trouble in a lot of sectors. Office, multifamily. There's a lot of those syndicates where people were buying and they really weren't thinking about the exit. They weren't thinking about the future. They didn't have fixed rate debt. They were talking to pitch an IR, individual rate or internal rate of return. And they weren't really looking at the brass tacks. They were trying to self-manage to cut costs. These things are going to catch up. Be smart out there. Lastly, if you are an accredited investor or you want to talk about investing, or even if you're not an accredited investor and you want to talk about investing, that all begins by going to cashflowguys.com and getting on our calendar and having a conversation with us. Guys, we'll catch up with you next week and we will see you on the other side. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas so you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.